So your kid wants to do voiceover. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceSam player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicezam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicezam.com slash markscott. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur. Hello, and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur, ready to give you some more actionable, practical advice that you can use to grow your voiceover business, or... In the case of today's episode, actionable practical advice that you could use to grow your kids' voiceover business. Now, just before we get there, I want to take a minute to say thank you for listening and always thank you for sharing the podcast on your social media channels. If you are listening and enjoying the episodes, would you let me know? Post it in your Instagram stories. Make sure you tag me at Mark Scott. I'd love to hear it and I'd love to share it as well. So this week, it's a little bit different. This is not advice that is meant to help you. Although it is advice that is meant to help you, but it's actually advice that's meant to help you help your kids. Chances are, if you've got a child at home or if you've got children at home, at some point in time, they've come into the booth to kind of see what's going on. You know, what's mommy or daddy up to? And maybe you've even had the good fortune of being able to audition them for a job or two in the past, or maybe they've booked a job or two in the past. And and if they've expressed any actual interest in voiceover, Maybe you're trying to figure out how that works. What does that look like? Can I represent my kid? Can I manage my kid? What do I need to know? And how should I go about doing it? Well, the good news is all your questions are going to get answered in this episode because I've brought somebody in who has done just that, successfully managed her children's voiceover careers. She's doing a fantastic job. If you're a parent with a booth, it's almost inevitable that at some point your child or children will venture into that booth and start talking. Maybe that ends up just being something for fun, or maybe it ends up being a career that pays for college or their first car or an eventual down payment on their house. Who knows? Either way, if your child has an interest in voiceover, you're going to want to have an idea about how to manage that. And my guest today has been doing it for her Glow Girls for several years. Welcome to the podcast, Susan Glow. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. So let's go right to the beginning and and tell us how it all began. Did the girls always want to be involved in entertainment? Was it something that you introduced them to to see if they'd like? How did that all get started? You know, it started out very much by accident. When the kids were young, I think like a lot of parents do, you try different activities to see what sticks. We tried soccer. We tried (laughs) t-ball. We tried gymnastics. We tried everything. And, you know, you just put your kids in different activities to see what they enjoy. And the girls were in a dance class. And David and I had taught them this funny little chant to know how to spell their last name. And the two of them were in dance class. They were only four and six years old at the time. And they started saying, G-L-O-W, we are the Glow Girls. And it was just this funny little thing that they were doing. 
And it turned out there was a talent manager there from L.A. who happened to be friends with the dance instructor, and she just happened to see them, and she thought they were adorable. And she said, have you ever thought of getting them into the entertainment business? And I was like, lady, I can barely get them into their leotard or their (laughs) ballet shoes. I was like, no, I've never thought of anything like that. And she said, well, here's my card. And a friend of mine is a talent manager, and they're looking for real families for a Disney commercial. And, you know, she was a legit manager, and it came through, you know, someone that we knew and trusted. And we went to the audition. Beginner's luck. We booked it. And so that was really our first exposure at all was completely by accident, was in an on-camera commercial. And the longer that the girls were in that business, you know, they had some fun experiences with print work and with some small local commercials in the Tampa, Orlando area. You know, it was fun. But once they learned that voiceover was a thing, they really, really wanted to give that a try because their whole childhood had, you know, was filled with animation and trips to the theme parks and puppet shows and acting out stories. And, you know, that's that's where their interest was. And so that's how we decided to give it a try. You know, I, I was terrible at T-ball when I was a kid, but my parents <laughs> never thought to get me a talent agent. I don't know. I feel like I I feel like I missed out on an opportunity there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> clearly a little bit of serendipity goes a long way. So I know that you're acting as the manager now, but in the beginning you were working with the talent agent or were they doing management? And are you still with that same person? How has it evolved? No, you know, we actually tried to get into voiceover for a while before we ever did. And so we were in the Tampa market at the time. And this particular area is really focused on the commercial and print market in terms of the entertainment business. And I reached out to different talent agents and they said, nobody does voiceover in Florida. You can't do voiceover. It's a no. And everywhere we turned, we just got a no. You know, it can't be done. And, you know, oh, my gosh, don't tell a mom that her kid can't do something. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say it was very difficult just because it wasn't a major market. It wasn't something that a lot of kids were doing. And it wasn't anything that any of the talent agents in Florida were very familiar with. So I just started doing research. And I started searching online and... I found a local radio guy, a local radio guy, and we went to him uh, for some lessons and a demo, and it was just enough for the girls to get the experience of what it was like to read a script and what it was like to stand behind the mic, and, you know, it was just one of those activities that we were trying, Mark, because at that time, I didn't know if they were really going to like it or if they were going to take to it. Um, You know, we had again, tried so many different activities just to see what would stick. But I will say, once they got into the recording studio and they tried standing behind the mic, they loved it. And they were both very early readers, and so that helped a lot. And they just absolutely loved it. So that's, you know, just kept pursuing it and just kept trying and trying and researching to to try to expand their love of voiceover. So just for reference... When was this? Like, what year are we talking? And the girls, were they still roughly that same age? Like, this was around when they were four, and I think you said four and six? They were four and six when we started in the entertainment business. And by the time we found coaching and they each booked their first jobs, they were six and eight. 
So, you know, a good year and a half had transpired of me uh, knocking on doors and trying to get into the business and trying to find somebody, you know, in our local market where they could pursue this. Um, so it took a year. And then, you know, after they started coaching and, and training for real, <laughs> what I will say, um, they booked their first jobs at six and eight. So what you're telling me is that my nine and my 14-year-old have missed out on half a life of earning potential <laughs> at this point. You know, I do wish I do wish I had started them earlier. And you better start recording some of Kaylee's laughs and goos and giggles and things because they will really uh, pay off later on. <laughs> it's funny. I, people tell me that all the time. They're like, have you recorded her yet? She's She's already camera shy to the point where... <laughs> She will be doing the funniest, cutest thing or making the funniest noise or whatever. And as soon as you pull out your phone and try to record, she's like, oh, I know what's up. And then she yeah. just stops. <laughs> just totally stops. She just shuts it down. It's so frustrating. Exactly. <laughs> so, I know. The kids don't do what you want them to. Now, you said that you found a, a radio guy that was helping you do some demos because at that point, you know, there wasn't a lot of options out there for voiceover. Right. So what else have you done as you've tried to evolve this? Like. Were you looking for classes, for coaching, for for workshops? Was it continuing to work with this radio guy? Was it just getting the demo and then just auditioning as much as possible? Like, how did you kind of build the steps up from that point? Sure. Well, you know, so we did those lessons and each girl did, you know, 10 lessons and then a demo, which, you know, when I hear it back, that's crazy. You can't do 10 lessons and then a demo. Um, and they did those first commercial demos and they were bad. They were real bad. <laughs> and, you know, for a mom to say, wow, my kid sounds bad, you know, just being objective, those first demos were bad. And I, I knew I at least had enough of an instinct in this business not to start with those demos because I was like, eh, that, I, I just don't think those represent, you know, where they want to go. Right. And that's when I really started doing research and I had to reach outside of my market. I knew that if they wanted to grow in the voiceover business, we had to get them some legit official coaching. And there was one phone call that I would say changed their entire trajectory of their career. And that was to Christina Malizia. And she was their first voiceover coach. And at that time, she said, well, you know, we don't really coach kids. You know, we've never coached kids. And I said, they they want to do this. They want to be there. They really want to pursue this. And so they gave it a try. And and that was really, Mark, my method with every single voiceover coach that we reached out to. Um, you know, maybe they hadn't worked with kids before, but I said, no, they have the attention span. They have the focus. They desperately want to do this. Give it a try. Let's give it one lesson. And after they started working with Christina Malizia, that's when they really leveled up their voiceover skill. And so they took private lessons and they, they worked together. And then they started just auditioning. We started out with online casting platforms because that was the easiest way and the quickest way for them to get access to practice scripts and practice auditioning and sending things out. And lo and behold, they just started booking like crazy. And so that was really... I would say the first leveling up was getting a real coach, an official coach to give them some, you know, very important critical uh, training at that very early age. And then we started auditioning because at that age it was practice. It was them learning how to be in the booth, how to read a script, how to analyze the script, how to be on the mic. It was a lot, but they loved it. So we kept going. 
I'm guessing, and, and I mean, I could be totally wrong here because I don't have any statistics to go from, but I'm guessing when it comes to voiceover for kids in particular, I mean, yeah, there's a million adult voice actors out there with the home studio, but my guess is there's probably not a million kids doing voiceover out there with a the home studio, maybe just because their parents have never thought about doing it, but I'm sure that that's got to be at least part of what set you guys aside or set you guys apart in the market originally was how many other people were there that were doing what you were doing, home studio, ability to record, going out there, hustling, all that sort of stuff. Like, it's not something that was common. It hasn't always been that way, right? It, it, there there has been a really long stretch of period where it was just agents bring you work and you sit and you wait for agents to bring you work. So here you are, the mom out there hustling, trying <laughs> to find the opportunities, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And, you know, that was how we had to grow. That was how we had to grow our business. And so that's really what gave rise to it, because we weren't in a major market like New York or L.A. We didn't have any talent agents in our vicinity um, that were going to bring us opportunities. So if we wanted the girls to have opportunities, if I wanted to give them this chance to pursue the activity that they loved, I had to hustle. And so we had multiple, you know, different ways that we found work. And it was, you know, through referrals from these coaches that we had worked with, you know, once they had worked with the kids, because it was so unusual to find a kid with training who had a booth at home that could do it. The coaches that we worked with turned out to be a referral source, the online casting, and then my own networking. So that's really how we started. Um, But to answer your question about leveling up, once we had a book of business and once we had a number of bookings under our belt, I then reinvested some of those earnings into getting a real demo <laughs> and, you know, just slowly, step by step, increasing their portfolio and their business. So once we had some of those bookings and some of that earning, I reinvested that to producing demos that we were very proud to send out and that would secure us more business. And that step is then what allowed us to go outside of our local market. Because again, there just wasn't the voiceover business in the Florida area to sustain their interest level in voiceover. So that is how we broached other, how we approached other agents in other markets. And we were lucky enough that one in the New York market Uh, took a chance on us and said, well, you're our only out-of-state kid client, but we love your demos and and we'll give you a chance. And so that was the first step into expanding our reach and getting more opportunities. If you want to grow your voiceover business, there are a couple of things that are going to come into play. First and foremost, you've got to have great training. You have to have worked with the right coaches so that you know that you have the ability to get in the booth and perform. Second thing you need is great demos. If you have really great demos, they're going to do a lot of the selling for you. You're not going to have to. People are going to listen to your demos, they're going to hear what you're capable of, and they're going to want to work with you. The third ingredient, of course, is marketing. If you want your demos to do the selling for you, you've got to get people to listen to your demos. How do you get people to listen to your demos? You've got to market. You've got to let them know that you're out there. You have to help them find your demos. You have to give your demos the chance to do the selling for you. How do you do that? A lot of different ways that you can market yourself using email, social media, in-person networking. There's so many ways to get the job done. But if you don't even know where to start, or if you're trying and it's not working and you need a new approach, or if you just need somebody to guide you in the right direction, let me help you. 
Coaching in the business and marketing side of voiceover is what I do, and that can come in the form of either one-on-one coaching or any number of different course offerings that I have. And you can find all of the information about all of them at my website at markscottcoaching.com. I even offer free 15-minute consults. Let's have a chat. Let's talk about your specific needs. And from there, we can determine whether or not I can help you. You can book that and see all of my coaching resources at markscottcoaching.com. That's markscottcoaching.com. Now, back to our show. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you didn't just strictly look for coaches who are working with kids or demo producers who are working with kids. And I don't want this to come across the wrong way that, you know, obviously that is a totally legitimate way to go, but you did take a slightly different approach when it came to getting coaches and demos done for the girls. Is, is that right? I did. I, in fact, none of the coaches that we worked with at the beginning worked with kids at all, you know, and so it was new for them. It was new for us. And I think it was a critical step in really their development because, you know, they were coaching with Christina Malizia. They were coaching with Sarah Sherman. They were coaching with Mary Lynn Wisner. You know, they were coaching with these uh, casting directors and coaches who are known throughout the industry who are exceptional. And I just I just thought, you know, if they really want to go for this, if they really want to do this, you've got to learn from the best. And that is how we invested our money and our time uh, to get the best coaching that we possibly could. I think it's a really interesting approach. I mean, I think that in and of itself forces a, an amount or a degree of leveling up just in that you're you're kind of swimming in a different sea at that point, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, it was. It's it's true. And I think, you know, over time, again, we've been doing this for over seven years. And like I said, at the very beginning, there just wasn't it just wasn't as common. Um if I did research, you know, online or different rosters or on IMDb, if I looked at kids who were working in the industry, they were either in a major market or they were the child of a professional voice actor. And so, you know, those two ways of getting into the business, I would say, would be the most commonplace and the easiest way to enter the, the business was if you were in a major market or you were a kid mm-hmm. of a voice talent and you already sort of had that path paved for you. Yep. And we didn't have any of that. <laughs> we, I am not a voice talent. I, I tried once and I failed miserably <laughs> uh, when one of, uh, one of Sabrina's clients said, oh, we need a mom for this script. I'm like, I'm a mom. I can do this. I can talk. Uh, meanwhile, Sabrina has nailed it in one take. And 20 takes later, I'm like, I think you need to find someone else. Mom, stop. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they were like, well, maybe Cassie can just do a mom voice, like an older sister voice. And that's and that's what they ended up doing. I was like, well, I'm happy to keep it in the family, but I'm not going to try to do this again. But, you know, so anyway, I'm not a voice talent, so we didn't have that. And and so part of my strategy or my approach in having the girls break into this business was to do the best and train with the best that we possibly could, that we could possibly afford. And that is how, because I felt like that was going to expand their opportunities and and give them best chance at doing what they love because they really, really love it. It's been seven years and we had an agreement up front, my husband and I, when we, you know, started changing closets into recording booths and 
spending money to travel across the world and uh, go to voiceover conferences and callbacks and such. We said the moment that they're not having fun is the moment we stop. Right. Because they're kids. Yes. You know, we're, we're not having Cassie and Sabrina aren't booking jobs to pay the mortgage. You know, this is their fun. Just like some kids do a sport, some kids do a dance, whatever it might be, whatever yep. a child's passion is, this is their passion. So the moment it's not fun, we stop. But it's been seven years and we keep going. And so the strategy to continue growing their business is to always train with and invest in the best we possibly can. I think that's universal, you know, whether you're a kid voice actor or a 70-year-old voice actor. Yeah. You invest the most you can and the best you can to give yourself the best chance for success. So I'm very curious. Going through this has really been the bulk of their childhood, right? So particularly when they were younger, though I'm sure it's still relevant today, how did you maintain a balance between work, family, school, and just plain being a kid? What kind of boundaries did you put in place? How did you handle that? That's a really good question because at the time, because what they did and what they could do was so unique, they were getting booked constantly. And at that time, we were homeschooling, which also lent itself to more bookings because we were available during business hours for ad agencies. We were available across time zones for animation studios. The homeschooling actually allowed them to book more and more and more. And it got to the point where if they, if I let them, they could have been working 40 hours a week, you know, doing, doing voiceover. And so what we decided to do is that, you know, this isn't their life. It's part of their life. And I remember saying no to voiceover bookings, you know, because they had a play date. And so I remember saying no because they were, you know, in a little theater production with, with a community group. I think you just have to keep a balance with it. And in the very beginning, we were trying everything, Mark. They tried all different genres of voiceover. They trained across commercial, animation, promo, e-learning, toys especially. We trained across all genres so that we could figure out what they really loved and what they wanted to do. And so part of keeping everything in balance was knowing who they were as an artist and what type of work they really enjoyed. And so we got to the point where we would respectfully decline jobs if it wasn't a genre they really liked or if it was a topic or if it wasn't fun. Um, we have this saying in our house every time that I print out an audition. I leave it on the breakfast table for them and it's labeled up at the top, like, oh, no, this is an opportunity, not an obligation. And I would print out all of the voiceover opportunities that were there for them, and I would let them pick. And, and that was it. And that way, you know, it was never twisting the arm. You have to get in the booth, or you can't play with your friend, or you can't watch TV, or whatever it might be. We really only had them do the opportunities that they were excited about and that they were passionate about. I think that's a really smart approach. Well, it, it kept it fun. It kept it fun. It really kept it as an extracurricular activity, not as a demand or a pressure on them. And I think, you know, my whole background, like I said, it is not voiceover. My background is in business and in marketing. 
and in accounting, strangely. But anyway... Um, All of the necessary assets to be a manager of your child's <laughs> successful voiceover career. <laughs> yes, yes, but definitely not to contribute voiceover talent to a booking. Um, so what I would do with them, when they had an opportunity come up, I would explain to them the reason why. Or, you know, I would try to explain to them the business behind it. Hey, here's an opportunity. Um, it might not be the most fun script, but this is a really good client that you did XYZ job for, and it's good to build a relationship. Or I would say, this is an opportunity. Um, it's not as high paying, but it's going to lead to this. Or whatever it was, Mark, I would really try to explain the business reason behind why they were doing a voiceover job or an opportunity. And again, just let them gravitate towards the ones that were fun for them. That's one of the most important educations they're going to get, though. Understanding how the business side of all of this works, that is going to take them so much further in a real-life application. Those are skills they don't teach you in regular school, and I love that you approached it that way because I think it's really smart. Now, I'm a parent. We've all heard stories of those Hollywood childhood actors who, uh, let's just say they really didn't transition well into adulthood. So... I'm sure there had to be times when this was intimidating and stressful and you're wondering, you know, am I doing this right? Am I handling this right? But it sounds like the way that you've approached it, you were very cognizant of that because you really did do a great job of making it more of a fun activity than, say, a slogging job and career. I think that's such a great approach. I think part of the problem we see with childhood actors is they're working 80 hours a week, every week for their entire childhood. And, you know, it doesn't end well, right? You found a balance, and I think that's really cool. And I, I think it's something that any parent who has a kid who wants to do voiceover, it, it's something you need to think about. And just to be clear, your kids are doing a lot of work. They're working consistently. They've got very successful careers. They're working with very reputable brands and clients. It's not like it's a once-in-a-while thing. Still, it's something I think every parent needs to think about. How do we keep their lives as normal as possible? How do we set those boundaries? And I suppose, to a degree... How do we keep them grounded and humble? A lot of parents come to me asking me questions about how to get their kids started in voiceover. And I'm always happy to help or give advice or give some tips or feedback if I can help others down uh, the same path that we went down. One thing is, though, that parents need to really be aware of when they're getting into the voiceover business if their motivation is to be famous or if their motivation is to make money, I always, you know, it makes me a little reserved at, at that point to uh, give them advice because I really just want to let them know, get your child into the voiceover business if they love it, if they mm -hmm. truly, truly love it. Yep. Um, because as other voice actors can relate to, you know, for the girl's body of work, which is is very impressive. David and I are very proud of everything that they have accomplished. But for the hundreds and hundreds of bookings that they have were thousands and thousands of auditions. And <laughs> so I want people to know, you know, it isn't just a straight shot or a magic key that's going to get you onto network TV or make you lots and lots of money. There's a lot of hard work and passion, and dedication, and practice, and grit learned along the way. You know, you mentioned to me about the girls learning about the business side of things, which has been a wonderful uh, sort of side effect of them being in voiceover. But the other thing that they have learned from being in this business is grit, and 
how to deal with rejection and how to handle it and how to pivot, how to pivot from rejection and keep going. And so that's something that I really want parents to understand that if they're getting into the voiceover business, it's not always an immediate payoff. I mean, sure, sometimes you get lucky. You might just be the exact right fit, be in the right place at the right time. But to have a career and sustain a career in voiceover and to be able to continue pursuing what you love, there is rejection along the way. You know, and that has been the secret to the girls' longevity is that they really, really love it. And for us, the voiceover process is what they love. Now, if they get to hear themselves on TV and they hear themselves in a toy, of course, that's incredible. That's a huge bonus, a huge payoff. But it can't be the goal right out of the gates. You know, when they started, they just loved voiceover itself. They loved the process. So part of them remaining humble is how many times they've been rejected. You know, they appreciate that booking. They appreciate the work that it took to get to that point. And that's part of of them remaining humble. And, you know, honestly, a a lot of their classmates, they're in a, a more traditional school now. We don't homeschool anymore. They're in a performing arts school and their classmates don't even know that they do voiceover. Wow. And they don't talk about it. That's <laughs> they don't go around and tell people, hey, I'm a voice actor. Hey, you're going to hear me on TV on Disney Channel this weekend. They, they, they don't tell people. Wow. I would not have thought that. I would think, that, I mean, Crap, look at regular voice actors. Well, not regular. Look, at, look at adult voice actors on Facebook. You know, you can't, there, there isn't a day goes by that's like a, a hundred posts of, hey, look at me in this thing that I voiced or, hey, look at me in this brand that I signed. It's kind of, I mean, talk about a little bit of a, a perspective shift when you know that your girls are booking what they're booking and they're just doing it because they love it and not because they're seeking credit or glory or recognition or whatever. That's a testament to, to how well you have raised them and how well you have managed their career, I think, as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. You know, when I do look back, you know, there there's so many different ways, so many different paths to get into voiceover. And because by and large, you know, I was, I was sort of carving this new path on my own um, because there wasn't a, a talent manager. There wasn't a voiceover manager. There was no one in our market. You know, I was just trying different things. I tried a lot of things that failed. I tried a lot of things that succeeded. And every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, if we were only in New York or if we were only in L.A. And then I would just have to stop, take a deep breath, look at my children and know that they were happy. Mm -hmm. They were fine. Yep. They were fine. So once I tempered that that expectation, it was me. It it wasn't them. They were they were fine doing a pilot script for, you know, a senior animated animation student at a at an art college, or they were fine if it was uh, in the booth for a major network. To them, it was the voiceover. It was the process um, and, and the activity itself, not the fame, not the money. Um, in fact, they've never seen any of their money from voiceover, if I'm being honest, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to know where that money is? All in offshore accounts and tax havens and... <laughs> You know, um, hey, you know, with the occasional splurge or going out and, you know, buying the occasional uh, treat or reward, all of that money is in a savings account that they will get under two conditions. 
They are 22 years old and they have graduated from college. If neither one of those, if those two qualifying factors are not met, David and I clear out their funds and we buy a tiny home and park it on the side of a waterfall in Kauai. That's the plan. That sounds like a good plan, actually. (laughs) You know what? I think that's another important thing that a lot of parents probably don't think about, right? Because it's one thing to start out and your your kid books a job here and there, right? And so whatever, it's spending money, it's a, you know, an extra toy or whatever it is that they want, a new video game or something like that. But if you're looking to build a career, I think it is something that you have to think about long term is what, where does the money go? How does that get sorted out? Because look, I mean, I've already said by the time Kaylee's ready to graduate from college, tuition is going to be a million bucks a year. Like, I, I got to start planning for this <laughs> yeah. stuff now, right? So yeah. when your girls hit 22 and they've got money in the bank that's going to pay for a down payment on a house or whatever, like right. that's 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 like a, a life-changing thing for them in and of itself, apart from the amazing career they've already had. It is. And it, it it's also, you know, a, motiv- a motivating factor for them mm-hmm. um, that... You know, we're trying to encourage them to pursue a career and a life that they love, yep. but they can also make money. Yeah. And, you know, so the fact that they know that they can do this, they can make money, they can have fun, they can have a blast and make money from it, and it's going to be waiting for them uh, someday is is a motivating factor for them. Now, they don't do it for the money, but I guess just that feeling that you have of being able to create something you love and make money doing it at the same time. That's the life that we see for them. That's what we want for them. Yeah. But I really want to go to Hawaii too. <laughs> so. can't say, look, I'm in Canada right now in winter. I can't say that I blame you for the Hawaii thing. I got I to gotta start figuring out now if Kaylee can do voiceover and get me to yeah, Hawaii. I'll be like, hey, you don't have to finish college, you know, just sort of take those funds back. But, um, but in, in all honesty, you know, the money... I, the money along the way, a lot of it has been used to, you know, as we were talking about before, level up yep. and invest, invest back into the and, business. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that people may not know now, because so many kids got into the voiceover business uh, as a result of COVID, as a result of the lockdown. And we had been doing voiceover for years before that. Back in the day, Mark, we were flying to New York. Right. And we were flying to L.A. with 24 hours notice Jeez. for callbacks and for bookings. So that's not free. <laughs> Last minute tickets. I don't understand. Um, you're, what you're saying is that the girls have not yet raised enough funds to pay for the private jet? <laughs> we're working on it. We are working <laughs> on it, man. We are working on it. Um, you know, and so a lot of those funds were used to reinvest in the business, yep. you know, uh, business expenses. And, you know, we would go to voiceover conferences and we would have to travel for callbacks and bookings. Now, of course, that's not a factor anymore. And during COVID, we were busier than we could possibly handle. We were so, so busy. It was to the point where I was I was almost becoming a casting agent in which I was referring business away because we just couldn't do any more because we were already set up mm-hmm. with a home studio. We were already set up with Source Connect. You know, we already had everything in place for the world to, uh, our voiceover world to continue. And so, I mean, that was a blessing. We were very, very busy during during covid and and that's when a lot of the kids got into the business. 
so now, you know, we don't have to fly across the country anymore for callbacks and bookings, but I don't regret it. A dime spent, you know, because we had a lot of great experiences, sure. a lot of great memories, too, that uh, they take with them. A lot of great learning lessons, too, in their business moving forward. I have always said that experiences are better than stuff, right? Yes. Stuff gets thrown yes. out eventually, but those yes. experiences, that's stuff that they will never forget. Now, yes, they do have some pretty amazing credits on their resume. And so yes. with that... There, I'm, I'm assuming there has been some public recognition, maybe some fans or something. In a fully connected online world filled with social media and seemingly less and less privacy, have you had to do anything to try to protect them? I'm not saying like stalkers, but I just mean how do you keep them safe from being online and having all of that recognition? That's a really great question. And one thing that, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of people realized is that Cassie and Sabrina are not on social media. They don't have an Instagram account. They don't have a TikTok account. They never are on social media. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I'm going to tell my 14-year-old, see, I'm not the only parent that says (laughs) no to TikTok. (laughs) Well, if you want to make it even more strange or unusual or out of the norm, Mark, it's not David and I forbidding them to not be on social media. They have zero interest in it whatsoever. And the, now they will go on to social media or online to research a client, to research a cartoon, research a delivery style, a product brand, look and feel, a target audience. They will go on and, and do that. But they are not personally, you know, I manage all of their social media accounts. So That has helped a lot in terms of not only keeping them humble, keeping them grounded, keeping them protected. It's really just an online portfolio. And if we do have fans that that reach out, you know, Cassie and Sabrina have both been lucky enough to be part of some uh, shows recently with some great fandom out there. And I will show them posts and say, hey, how would you like to respond? Hey, this person's looking to you know, do X, Y, Z, or they really loved your performance in that show in that episode last weekend, you know, so I will let them know about it, but they are not scrolling and on social media, which, you know, when we talk about Hollywood and entertainment business and kids getting into the business, it really does remove that, that feeling you can get from comparison, right? Because that's a tough one. I think people across all, (laughs) you know, lines of work, career, uh, voice actors, age, you name it, we all suffer from that comparison. Yep. And that has been, I think, a blessing to not have them on social media because they're not comparing themselves to yes. other kids. And I think that has really helped them keep such a healthy balance and keep them so adjusted is that they are not constantly surfing, comparing themselves to anybody else. It's just about their art and their work. I mean, Honestly, Mark, there's enough competition right inside this booth. The two of them for every, <laughs> there really is, for every job that Cassie or Sabrina has booked, the other one auditioned too. Right. I mean, they're, right now they're at the age where their vocal ranges are, are different enough, but there was a time when they were younger that everything overlapped and every job that they booked, the other one wanted too. Right. That is really tough. Creates some interesting family (laughs) dynamics at times, I'm sure. Oh, heartbreaking. Like at the moment that you want to celebrate one and you want to console the other. Yep. 
It's hard. It, so there was enough comparison and competition right within this booth <laughs> that I didn't need them, you know, out there surfing on social media uh, to compare themselves to others. I think so. there's a lesson in there for all of us, actually. Yeah. So it's hard. I'm curious because they have been doing this seven years and, mm -hmm. you, you know, six and eight when they started teenager, preteen now. Has your strategy had to shift? Over time from, you know, managing preteens to managing teens? Are, are you doing anything differently now from what you did before? Yes, I will say. I, I think in the, in the early stages, as I mentioned, we were doing everything. And we trained across all genres. And they were booking across every single, you know, genre of voiceover. And we were building our brand. And we were building our portfolio and our reputation. And so at that point, you know, we were really nonstop. And I think at this point, now that the girls are older, we have the luxury of scaling back the way we want. And nice, yeah. that has, that's even, you know, helping them get through this next phase of their life and their career. As I mentioned to you, when they were younger doing voiceover, we were homeschooling. And it was, you know, even part of our homeschooling curriculum. Uh, now that they're in a performing arts school, you know, they've got theater and musical theater auditions and the school play or whatever it might be. So even more so, their time is precious. And I, th I think what it's done, Mark, has had me scale back to the clients that we really, really love. And it really has sort of made us say, OK, it has to be X for us to step in the booth or take time away from the family, yeah. or take time away from these activities that are all part of their education. Voiceover is still such a huge part of their education and their schooling. But now at this phase, you know, it's knowing who they are as an artist, saying and not feeling bad about saying no to that. things that don't suit their next step. I think that's where we're all trying to get, right? Every one of us regardless of where we're at in our business, the end goal is to be able to get to a point where we say, I don't get out of bed for X number of dollars, or I don't turn yeah. the studio on for X number of dollars. And, and I don't have to take that job because it doesn't align with what I want to do, or, it, you know, it, it doesn't suit my fancy, whatever. I mean, we all want to be able to get to that point where we're successful enough in our careers that we get to be able to be more choosy. And, and I think yeah. that's a good goal to aim for. And, you know, as an offshoot of, of voiceover, because over the years they developed such a specialty in animation and they've had an opportunity to work with so many other, you know, big networks. And they have also worked with clients in animation all the way from the pitch stage all the way through, you know, broadcast. They have learned every single stage of animation. And so it really has created this additional side passion in them with the voiceover is also learning about animation. So we've had some great clients who have sort of, you know, pulled back the curtain, let the girls into the process, let them part of the character creation, wow. uh, let them, you know, impact or give feedback on the design or how do you think the voice would sound? And so it really has sort of spurned this fire in them to learn more about animation and so they're both studying animation, you know, story. But they talk about storyboard artists and lighting and rigors like other kids trade baseball cards. I don't know if people still trade baseball cards, but, you know, we'll be watching uh, 
an animated show and they'll be like, oh, did you see the lighting by so-and-so? Oh, I, I saw the storyboard and David and I are looking at each other like, what are they talking about? But, you know, the voiceover experience has just opened up new doors for them into a new career path. In That's which really cool. The, yeah, the voiceover is such an asset to them in learning about animation. So, you know, at this stage of their career, it's it's about the opportunity. It's about how it can forward their big vision and, you know, if it's fun. And we do have, you know, a, a tight-knit group of clients that we always say yes to um, that come back to us over and over again. So we're very fortunate in that, in that situation. But it took years to get there. Yeah. So now that you are an experienced pro when it comes to managing <laughs> your, your daughter's career, if you could jump in your DeLorean and travel back in time five, six, maybe even seven years, <laughs> what advice would you give yourself? What if I had only known then what I know now moments have you had? I think what took me a long, a long time to learn was to disassociate myself from the process. It's hard to be their mom and be their director and be their editor mm -hmm. and be their manager. And I think there were times that I looked back and I I wish I could have removed my emotion from from some of it. Um and you know I, I got to the point where I wanted to treat it more like a business. And I guess you know, just like that same advice that I'm, I'm giving other parents, you know, you can't get into it with the goal of wanting to be on TV or wanting, you know, to get that win. I definitely would have to take some of my own advice because there were times that I'm like, oh, I wish they had booked this. I wish they had done this. Or if we were only there, or if if I had only signed with this agent versus that one. And you know what? None of it's true. <laughs> they were happy. Yep. They were fine. I think looking back, if I could have just enjoyed it a bit more and just continue to remind myself that it's about their happiness doing the voiceover and not to worry so much about all the other stuff um, because it is it is a lot to take on it is a lot to take on and you know so my advice going back I would have um, I would have relaxed a little bit more yeah I relaxed that's probably really good advice. You know, the one thing that I, I had written down when you were talking before was, and, and mm. I think the big thing for me was, you didn't push them into it. At no right. point did you push them into it, did you force them into it. And I think that's a big one. There's a difference between kids who want to do voiceover and parents who want kids to do voiceover. Oh, yeah. Right? And so yes. I think that's a, a huge takeaway for me, too, as, as I'm thinking about all of this. So, look, one more question. Sure. I, I gotta give you a. I gotta give you an opportunity to brag on your girls a little bit, <laughs> and and yourself too. So as the mom and as the manager, you know you've been doing this for a while now. Mm -hmm. What are some of the proudest moments that you've had watching the careers of your daughter turn into to the successes that they are today? Things that things that they've done or aha moments that you, from a management standpoint, of like I figured this out and I got this thing and and it opened up a great door. What, what are some of those moments? Well, I will say I I didn't figure everything out on my own. Yeah, just you know, one thing that I do want to, you know, shout out to the voiceover community. Mm -hmm. Um I did get a lot of coaching, and I don't mean just for the girls. Um I took a lot of coaching, Mark. I would be signing up for voiceover 
uh, classes so I would learn how to direct them. I'd sign up for, you know, how to build a booth, uh, how to do social media, how to do PR. I I signed up for everything so that I could support them. And I would say one of my proudest moments, David, and my proudest moments is when we went to the Sovas out in L.A. And knowing that Cassie and Sabrina, only five years in at that point, were nominated for their body of work. Wow. Only five years in, and they were, what, 11 and 13? Jeez. <laughs> to get, you know, and they were nominated um, in, in multiple categories. Sabrina was nominated for uh, Best Commercial uh, VO Demo, thanks to J. Michael Collins. Cassie was nominated, along with her friend Everett Sundholm, for uh, the Outstanding Toy uh, for Fisher Price, which ended up going on and winning a Sova's Award, which was incredible. Um, but that both girls were nominated together for their body of work. That just, for me, was a moment that, you know, I don't stop and pat myself on the back and say, hey, look at my girls. They're on TV. Um, you know, now David, on the other hand, he wears Glow Girls gear everywhere and brags <laughs> about them everywhere. He's he's relentless. He's just a proud uh, dad. <laughs> he is a proud dad. He takes all of his uh, Zoom calls from the recording booth that has pictures of all of the uh, animated shows that they've been on in the background. He goes, oh, oh, that? Oh, my daughter. <laughs> oh, that would totally be me. <laughs> but I, I would say that was uh, that was my my proudest moment. Um watching seeing them at the sovas our whole family flying out there that experience how welcoming the voiceover community was them for them to be nominated for their body of work at such a young age and i will say and right after that um when we talked about dealing with a lot of rejection and you know the ups and downs and the roller coaster of the voiceover business cassie won a sovas that year sabrina did not oh yeah and to be a parent wanting to celebrate a huge achievement for one and a huge disappointment for the other is a very hard line yeah. to walk. It's it's a very, very hard line. And the following year, the Sovas were remote, obviously, because of uh, lockdown. And we were watching the live feed and somebody said, Sabrina Glau. And we're like, we'll take it. You know? <laughs> And Sabrina won a Sova's Award for her performance for uh, Best AI Voice uh, the, the next year. And we're all sitting there, and the, the first one to run over and pick her up and scream was Cassie. That's pretty special. And it was. It was a very special moment to, to know that they have that support yeah. for each other. And a win for one is a win for both. And a rejection for one is a rejection for both. And they they weather it all together. And that really has helped sustain them through the ups and downs of the voiceover industry. But I'm very, very proud of what they've achieved. And I'm also very proud that during lockdown, Mark, you know, they, they wanted to figure out how to help. Obviously, it affected everybody in so many different ways. And here we were able to continue our voiceover business we were safe, we were happy, we were healthy, and we were very grateful for it. And so the girls wanted to figure out a way to give back. And so they started literally to use their voice to give back. And they donated their voices to the Second Harvest Food Bank of Central Florida, which is a food bank in our community. And they donate uh, their first booking of every month to the Second Harvest Food Bank. That's incredible. And the, the, I'm 
very proud of them. David and I are very proud of them, of how they choose to lead their lives, use their voices, how they, you know, are are taking their experiences, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs from voiceover and using it to further their big vision. So I'm very happy. Very, very proud of them. Like I want I'm proud of them. Like I'm sitting here <laughs> listening to you and I'm like, dang, these girls. That's like <laughs> Thank you, Mark. That is that is amazing. And that I mean, look, that is it's a really good example to to have somebody like them for people to look up to for any anybody that's listening that is trying to get their kid going in this or their kid wants to get going in this. I mean, hey, we all need mentors, regardless of what age we are or where we are at in our business and whether those are mentors that are people that we can physically speak to or physically see or, you know, I, I talk about my virtual mentors, you know, people that I, I read their books or I follow their podcasts or things like that. And I mean, the, the everything that you're saying right now makes me realize that like these girls, th- these, these are like at, at the very least, they're virtual mentors to any kid that wants to learn how to do this the right way. And so, which I think is also a testament to, to you and, and the work that you've done in, in managing their careers and bringing them up this way. So, that's amazing. That is a that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Well, thank this, you very much. This has been very enlightening, and I know this <laughs> is going to be helpful to a lot of parents who are trying to figure out how to do this and do it the right way. And so, I am very grateful to you for taking the time to to share your wisdom and and share your insights. Now, if somebody wants to find out a little bit more about the girls, or if somebody wanted to reach out, maybe they got a question for you because they're trying to figure out how to do this for their kid. How do we get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Their website is glowgirlskidvoiceover.com and we're on socials at glowgirlsvo. Right on. Yeah. Susan, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and the and everything that you have shared here today. This is going to be very helpful to a lot of people and I'm grateful to you. Thank you, Mark. There's a lot to take in in this episode. If you are thinking about getting your kid into voiceover or if your kid's already doing voiceover and You just want to make sure that you're giving them the best possible chance at success. I'm so grateful to Susan Ann for all of the information and the wisdom that she shared. Talking about things like the money, what to do with the money, how to manage the money, finding the opportunities, getting kids training and getting them the right training as well, which sometimes means not always going in the traditional route, trying to keep them humble, trying to keep them safe, trying to let them still be kids. I mean, everything you need to know is in this episode. So if you are going down that road with your child, I hope that this has been a help and an encouragement to you. Did you enjoy it? Did you learn something? Let me know in your Instagram stories. Tag me at Mark Scott. I'd love to know that you are listening. As always, thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday VOPreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceAmp player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voiceam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voiceam.com slash markscott. And see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.